Welcome to episode number 18 of the Marine Layer podcast with TJ Matthewson and Lyle Goldstein. On today's pod, we have Brad Adam join the podcast. Brad is a host, uh, an anchor for Root Sports. He hosts the Mariners pregame and postgame shows, does a little bit of sideline reporting amongst other duties for Root Sports. Really great conversation with Brad Adam. It's also our pitching preview episode. We'll go into detail with the five starters for the Mariners projected for this 2023 season. We'll close out the show with Speak Your Mind. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you into the Marine Layer Podcast here on Tuesday, March 7th. Spring training is rolling along. Bryce Miller looks great. The Mariners were off today, but yesterday we saw a great performance from Bryce Miller and Jared Kelnick to much to Lyle's pleasure, continues to look absolutely phenomenal. Man, I mean, it's probably not going to happen. Bryce Miller, the way he's pitching in spring training, has a case to crack the big league roster out of camp, at least in my opinion. He probably won't, but the way he's pitching, he has looked phenomenal. And then Jared Kalnick, again, yes, it's spring training, but he is absolutely crushing the baseball and doing everything that is being asked of him to do right now. That ball he hit on Sunday in Milwaukee, I, I think it might have landed in my room somewhere. I, I mean, that thing, I, I wouldn't have been shocked if that thing ended up in the state of Oregon. That thing was absolutely spat on by Jared. Uh, that was a really good swing for him. I'm uh, I, I, just a little bit of a rebuttal for your Bryce Miller point before we get to Brad Adam is that I, I just like I have too much PTSD for Matt Brash last year. I mean, you can look really good in spring with good stuff and still struggle once the games start meaning something and you're forced to go out there and pitch six innings against a major league lineup. That's all I'm saying. Um, and as good as Bryce Miller is, he doesn't even has, have as good a stuff as, as Matt Brash does. So that could, that could just be spell problem. And I don't want to dissuade you too much. And that's probably why he'll be back in either double a AA or triple a for a couple starts. And then maybe by may the team moves him up either into a bullpen role or into that fifth starter role, or if everybody's healthy. If everybody's it's, really, it's really not the end of the world for him to start his big league career as a reliever. There's a lot of regular regular starters nowadays who start their big league career as relievers, because that's where the innings are, and that's a bit uh, a bit of an easier way to to ease yourself into uh, into a major league role. Man, that inter- the interview we just recorded with Brad Adam was was phenomenal we didn't even talk about as much baseball as i wanted to but the content uh that we got from this brad adam interview was 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 really fantastic and i and and i keep saying this with every guest we have but it's it is now a a great interview and one of my favorite yeah and honestly i think it's okay that we didn't talk that much baseball because so many of the guests we've had on we've talked a ton of baseball and they have all been great this one had a little bit of a different tone to it i mean we talked a lot of sports broadcasting. We talked about a lot of golf. Yeah, there's some Mariners sprinkled in there, but there's just some really good stories in there. It felt like a very easy, free-flowing conversation, which is why it was a really, really cool interview. I'm just going to give you guys a heads up, anybody listening here early in the show. Yeah, this episode's a little bit long. It's the longest episode we've ever we've ever done, but there's a reason for it. Number one, Our interview with Brad Adam was about 50 minutes long. It was really good. Like, really, we encourage you guys to stick around and listen to the whole thing because it's a blast, and he shares some fun stories. Also, since we're going to do our starting pitcher preview this week, that's a little longer, too. 
because usually with these previews, we've got one or two guys to break down. There's five guys in the starting rotation, so it takes a little longer. So I promise it's not two hours of just dead content and things that are going to bore you guys. Like it's it's close to two hours of of really good stuff. So you'll want to stick around for it. And the speak your mind we did uh, on yesterday because uh, uh, w- w- there's a couple of mentions of it being Monday. So the the open is being recorded on Tuesday. The preview and speak your mind were recorded on Monday. If you guys are trying to line up the times and wondering why we're getting dates wrong, we're not. We promise. Yeah. That's correct. So intro Tuesday, interview with Brad Adam Tuesday, the pitching preview and speak your mind was Monday. But you know what, TJ, let's not delay it any longer. Let's kick it over to our interview with Brad Adam. We welcome Brad Adam onto the Marine Layer podcast. You can catch Brad on Root Sports as the Mariners pregame and postgame host on TV. You can catch him doing some sideline reporting from time to time as well. Brad, thanks so much for taking the time with us today. I wanted to start with this. You hear about players' off-seasons all the time, what they're up to, where they're at. But what about you? What does a Brad Adam off-season look like? Well, that's a good question, a good start. Uh, I will be honest and tell you guys that I am not in the best shape of my life. <laughs> you hear that a lot in spring training, but I am not in the best shape. Um, it, it's all, It's it's difficult because I like to golf guys and it's hard with this weather up here. Um, I coach my daughters in basketball. Um, I'm basically their chauffeur slash Uber driver for all their activities. I got three teenage girls and, um, they all play sports. And so I'm driving a lot and, uh, watching a lot, which is very cool. It's, it's nice to have a little break after a, a long seven month grind with the Mariners, which luckily, thankfully ended up, in the playoffs. I'm sure we'll talk about that. So uh, it's kind of decompressing. And this year was a little different for us at Root because we got the Seattle Kraken. So we got to do some uh, Kraken broadcasts at last year and this year. So offseason was a little more busy than usual because I had to try to learn hockey so I don't sound like a complete idiot when I'm talking about Kraken games. Um, a lot of fun to go to. I don't know if you guys have seen them, but Hockey Live is really cool. And it's good to see them doing well this year. We hope to make the playoffs because Root Sports will have the first round of the NHL playoffs, which would be super cool. So uh, looking forward to that and a little spring training coming up for me. And then uh, boom, we hit the ground running on the 29th. How much, like how much are you try having to learn hockey? Like I, I tried, <laughs> I see they have a team, they, they debut and I'm really doing my best. It's kind of hard. I'm, you know, a state and a half away from, from home. I don't get the everyday viewing experience. It's not mm-hmm. like my job to know the crack. And so it's, it's kind of hard for me to, to fully, absorb the sport of hockey and absorb the Kraken. But for you, yeah, I mean, you're supposed to work in a sport that is not really, it's not played in the state. It's not played at the high school level. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, rarely seen at a sports bar before 2021. I mean, there's just, there's not much, uh, there's no embrace of hockey in the Northwest really at any major level until the Kraken arrives. So all of a sudden you're supposed to know a lot about that. Like where, where do you even start? Well, boy that's we start by hiring guys who know hockey and that's helped a ton you know it's <laughs> a good start yeah with uh nick olchak who's one of our uh analysts there and allison lucan and piper shaw so the team and john forzine jt brown so the broadcast team the hockey people um are, are a resource for all of us and and they know that too they want to you know have people learn the game and grow the game in the state so as they're doing the broadcast, they'll explain things. Um, you know, when I see them at morning skate, 
uh, on the day of a game and, and I can ask a bunch of questions when, when I'm in studio and they're on the road and I've got uh, Nick or Allison with me, uh, I'll watch the game and say, all right, now four check is, is what? And then a back check is when you hit him in the back. He's like, no, that's not right. Blue line <laughs> pass this offside. It's great to be able to say, you know, ask them questions because they'll talk about a goalie save, you know, and say like, what's a good save percentage? And, and what does this mean? Expected goals against what is this? So, you learn all of this and then you can apply it a little bit. I, I, I don't apply it as much. Like I don't feel as comfortable, obviously as Mariners and um, stats and stuff that I could just kind of throw in during a broadcast hockey. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty low key and I don't go above my comfort zone, but you learn a little bit here and there. And I think too, TJ, just by watching and listening to Forslund and JT Brown, you, you just kind of, and it also Eddie Olchek, you, you just kind of, you just learn osmosis, right? You learn a little bit and see a little bit, read about it and just watch more and just kind of get immersed in it. And um, it's, it's a fun game. It's fast paced. It's quick. I like that a lot. And uh, the arena is great and it's fun to do that. And I can't wait for a couple of years when we got the Sonics to do. What was the hardest thing for you to learn about it? Um, you know, hockey, the lines, I think, and the substitutions and kind of the, the uh, positioning and, and how, power plays work and how penalty kills work and that, just kind of the, the shuffle and flow on the ice for me. You know, you see guys and you're like, he played a minute. Why is he coming off? They're like, a minute is, is about what, what they do. It, it, you, you look at a minute of ice time and then they're coming off. Um, so trying to figure all that out and just, just it, it was surprising to me that, that it, it, it moves so quickly and the lines, you know, four lines, this, that, and this, and how people move up and, and how that's kind of all situated and how, how it, it kind of just all works there on the ice. Okay. You said something just a minute ago. I have to double up on it. You said, and in a couple years, hopefully the Sonics give us a prediction. <laughs> what year do you think they're coming back? And is that going to include Kevin Durant? Uh, I don't know if it'll include Kevin Durant. I think he's going to be pretty happy in Phoenix, but I do think it'll include Kevin Calabro, which will be cool. Um, That's true. I would think, uh, okay, two things. The media rights, you guys got to look this up because don't quote me. The media rights from Mm -hmm. the NBA, I believe up in I think it's 24. Okay. I think it's 24. Okay. End of 24 season. All right. End of 24 season. And they're starting ground on a new arena in Vegas. So I think we can kind of do the math and figure out that Vegas is going to be the other expansion city. So I think in 24, hopefully they'll announce and then maybe they play that year. Maybe they play 25. I'm not sure exactly how it's all going to work out, but I think the TV deal will include two new teams. That's a whole lot of more, more money for the owners and two teams. And as you guys know, Climate Pledge here in Seattle is ready to go. The locker rooms, you know, I've already labeled Sonic's locker rooms. They, they, it's, it's built for hockey slash basketball. It's a great arena for basketball. And if you guys have seen a game there yet, Seattle U's played there a lot and had kind of the Globetrotters there, which was fun. So um, I would think by the end of 24, we'll have an announcement. Open. That, yeah, the arena is amazing. I, I can't, I can't. I haven't been anywhere better. I haven't. I know it's the newest, but just because yeah. something's the newest doesn't mean it's the best. But true. I mean, it's not. It is knocked out of the park. I, I I could not believe some of the amenities. I mean, it's it's crazy. And to keep the roof of old Key Arena, I think was really cool. They keep a few things in there from Key Arena, but everything else is just state of the art. You know how green it is and how 
Um, you know, they've got all the Amazon Go, so it's all, you know, touchless stuff, payless stuff. It's just up to date, awesome, everything first class. So looking forward to spending a lot of time down there after Mariner season. Well, I know you're about to kind of kick off your Mariner season. I know in about a week or so you're heading down to Arizona. Aside from playing golf, which it sounds like you're kind of itching oh, to do. I already got the tee times with Blowers. I'm good to go. <laughs> is it, is it, does it say in your contract what, like how many hours you're allowed to play golf and how many hours you have to work? It, it's No, it, it, it's one round per every game I, di- I cover. Okay. So it's spring training. I can go on two games, so it's two rounds of golf. During the season, like a road trip, if there's 10 games, I probably won't get 10 games, in, but I'll, I'll bank 10 or 10 rounds of golf. So I try to do, try to do a one-for-one. One. Yeah. And the bosses know that, which is good. But luckily, my boss plays, so I take him a lot, um, and that's good. So to get out of here, um, it's really a great opportunity to play on the road. So uh, road trips, I don't go on as many as I used to just because kids getting older, they don't like to be away um, as much as I used to. Um, but I do try to be strategic about it and pick warm weather cities and cities that I know that we can play golf in. So I take a look at that. I look at some off days on the road and I figure out where to go, figure out who plays on the team, which is going to be good. And um, yeah, it's important, you know, and and it's, it's fun too, to play with the players um, because it's, it's almost like you get um, kind of their, I don't know, like more of a respect for them. Like if you can play with them or beat them, um, it, it, them being professional athletes, you know, it, it just, it gives you a little more, I don't know, credibility, a little street cred. Right. So I like taking mm-hmm. the guys out. I don't take their money necessarily guys. Sometimes maybe <laughs> Taiwan Walker, maybe, maybe, but um, it, it just it, fun. It opened up a lot of doors. I, I recommend it to anybody who's getting into this business, learn golf, play golf, enjoy it. Who was the most fun out on the golf course or, 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 or who's the best golfer if it was a combination? Mm, that is a good one. I would say uh, I've been pretty fortunate to play with um, Junior a few times, and uh, he's always great to play with because you know you're playing at really good courses. Junior doesn't mess around on the public sector, trust me. Um, he's fun. Uh, getting Ichiro into golf was a lot of fun. He hits it right-handed. Hits it pretty good, too, um, but from – it's funny, a hundred in as you guys, you guys play. I play mini golf. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's, that's the hardest thing, right? To learn how to <laughs> yeah. put hundred yards in. That's it. So, I mean, these guys just butcher it. Each truck and hit it pretty well, but then he'll just fall apart a hundred in. Um, I would say Felix Hernandez was fun to play with and I can share this. I'm sure he won't mind. Plus it's going to be great to see him right in August. Yeah. Come oh, back to Mariners hall of fame. He would, I mean, <laughs> we would joke and say, would you, would we have more Coors Lights or Lost Balls when he plays? And it was like pretty close. You know what I mean? And he would lose about a dozen. So that'll help you out a little bit there. Um, those guys were a lot of fun to play with. Um, Taiwan Walker got into it. He got good. He can really hit the ball far. He was fun, always fun to play with. Um, and Wade Miley was good, the old pitcher. I, he was good too. I liked to play him in Taiwan and I played on the road. Um, Who's better? Mike Blowers is probably the best golfer in all of the group, though. He's around a one now because he moved to Arizona. He got smart. He moved, so he doesn't deal with this in the offseason. He just go plays golf every day. Smart guy. Um, so he's probably our best. This year, um, I know the young guys are getting into it. I don't know 
I haven't played with any of them yet. I'm looking forward to, I'm going to go down and play with, I think Festa and Cal Raleigh and Penn Murphy and see, see what they're all about. Um, I think that's about it off the top of my head. Who's, who's, who was decent. A lot of guys like to go out and just play and bang it around like Marco's getting into it. Um, so it, it's fun. Again, it's just another chance guys and another opportunity to kind of spend some time with these guys and get to know them away from the field, away from the microphone, because as you know, guys are going to be a little guarded. They're not going to tell you the hundred percent truth. They're not going to, you know, really open up when there's cameras and mics around. And, and I, I get that, but when you're on the course, you can, kind of decompress a little bit and chat about things that, you know, they know maybe, you know, not going to go any, any further, but you, you learn some stuff and learn some inside mm-hmm. background from them. And so, um, and Flexen's pretty good too. I played with him last year too. He's pretty good too. So I, again, highly recommend golfing, learning to golf, use it as a tool in this industry. That was going to be my next follow-up question is, is who on this team is supposed to be a really good golfer? Is it one of the guys you mentioned like Flexen or, or Cal Raleigh or one of those guys, or is somebody, is somebody on this team known for being the best golfer? Oh, you know, I forgot. Um, I think Kirby is pretty good. I think George mm-hmm. Kirby, I haven't played with him yet, but I think he's in the seventies, I think mid to high seventies. I think these guys get better in spring training because they go and they play a lot before the game start, you know, a lot of, so they play a lot in February for sure. Um, but I do remember him, I didn't I haven't played with him, but he and Emerson Hancock too, I think supposed to be a good one, but I haven't played with him yet. Um, Cal, I think just hits the ball really far. Some guys just, you know, see how far they can hit it. Um, but for years, you know, it, it, the Mariners didn't play a lot. It wasn't a lot of guys who played golf and that really bummed me out. Usually it's the pitchers position guys kind of shy away. Sometimes uh, they don't want to mess with their swing or they get, they think it will. So maybe on an off day, you'll get them, but pitchers, you know, can can get out there on the road so i would yeah that's a i'm trying to think that's a good question we got some new guys that hopefully play i don't know if colton wong plays or hernandez julio doesn't play to my knowledge but we got to get him going um kelnick kills the ball but i don't know how much he plays um you can imagine him hitting the ball um yeah so yeah you know what though i'm gonna find out that's gonna be one of my missions when i go down (laughs) to spring training and next time we do this i'll have a full report You'll you'll have to let us know how golfing with Jared would be. It just seems like he's so intense that maybe he wouldn't even talk to you while you guys get through 18 holes. It would be interesting to have him have a bad shot and see what happens, right? Because we know that when he struck out, now he's gotten better. But when he came up and we'd strike out and he would do some damage to some bats and some walls. So I wonder if he would snap a club. Eh, Probably not. But he would definitely be intense. And, you know, it's good to see him. Uh, having such a nice start so far this spring. I think he leads the team with four home runs, um, hitting the ball hard from what I hear. Uh, he's changed some things in the offseason. So you just hope that that he can just relax a little bit because he's got so much talent and just play the game and just let the, the ability take over. You know, I think I think having A.J. Pollock in left will really help him sit him against some tough lefties, sit him against, you know, when he's struggling a little bit. Um, and I think this is – you know, they don't need him to be a superstar, but if he could be like a solid bat that they are probably a, a bat short. So if he could really kind of be in that role um, along with Pollock and left, I think that would help obviously the team a lot. Maybe put them over the top a little bit too, because their pitching is that good. That's actually a decent segue here because 
I know well, you've been you. watching spring spring training as it's been going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that is what you do. Your career is to help segue and be a traffic exactly. cop as an on-air host. So exactly. you're helping us do it right here. Um, but there's been some really interesting storylines so far in Mariner spring training. Jared Kelnick mm-hmm. may be the top storyline, certainly one of the top storylines with how smooth he's looked, the way he's crushing the ball, he looks more calm. But just in general, um, what are some of the storylines that have stood out to you so far in Mariner spring training? Um, I like Jared. I, I like the um, pitching staff, which we knew was going to be so good going into the season. And I like that these guys get off and they go home in the offseason and they get with performance coaches, they get with their own pitching guys, their own whoever they use, and, and they figure out something new, a new pitch to be even better. Like I think the split finger is kind of the pitch de jour this spring. I know Gilbert's trying it. Uh, Kirby's trying it. Uh, Robbie Ray is trying it. Marco added a slider. Um, Castillo is so good, he doesn't need to add anything because they're all, they're all plus pitches. So I think that's cool that the starters, as good as they were, um, added and, and, and want to be you know even better. And I think – if they stay healthy like they did last year, you know, knock on wood, probably one through five, I, I would put them up against anybody rotation-wise. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Chris Flexen. You like to have depth, but but here's a guy making $8 million, and I don't know how long – I don't think they'd put him in Tacoma. I think he'd be the long guy out of the pen, um, and he'd be kind of the insurance guy for a starter, which is great. But on the other hand, that's a lot of money to spend – on a bullpen arm that isn't going to pitch maybe a whole lot. Right. So he's great trade bait um, team that needs a starter. He's a guy who certainly can start. We've seen that the last two years with the Mariners. So I'm curious to see kind of how they deal with Flexen. Um, and then another one that, that, that I like, we mentioned, you know, left field, how's Kelnick and, and Pollock, how are they going to mesh together and hit? Um, I, I like Hernandez in right and Wong in second. I mean, can he bounce back? You know, there's, Everybody's kind of got a question, right? Julio, is how good is he going to be, right? You get him for a, a whole year being Julio um, and Cal Raleigh being a whole year and being healthy. I mean, that thumb last year, guys, was just nasty to look at. I don't know how he caught anything, let alone, you know, a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. So I think it's just it's a, it's a fun team, and I think there's lots of positives about them um, in the bullpen solid too. So I think it's, you know, it, being the, the hometown – you know, broadcasters and guys, you know, we always pump, pump a team up, but I, I'm pretty, I, th- I think we're pretty fair and realistic. You know, some years when you didn't have a chance, we weren't going to blow smoke and say, Hey, it's a playoff team. This is obviously a playoff team. They made it last year. They got, I think a little bit better, a year older. Um, I think they're prime to make a nice run here. I don't know if they're as good as Houston yet, but I don't know if, if they have to be until, you know, hopefully next year it won't be till the ALCS or something, you know? Um, so I think it's just it's just a real cool time. This three four year window that they have with these young guys, if they can sign them. I think it's going to be a lot of fun for Mariners fans. Which new guy are you going to go try and talk to first? Um, probably Colton Wong, and I'll tell you why. Um, he's listed listed as five seven, and I'm like five ten, maybe. I give myself five ten guys. So anybody <laughs> that's shorter than me. I like, I like, and I like to go talk to because it makes me look good on camera. So I, I really miss Shed Long. I'm, I'm bummed that Shed's no longer with us because I like to tower over him. Adam Frazier is a guy that Wong replaced. He was another guy that I was taller than. So I'll probably talk to him, um, flex my height a little bit on him. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I want to get to know um, Hernandez, Teoscar Hernandez too. You always like to talk to the, the new guys and introduce myself and kind of get a feel for kind of what, what they like and, and, and kind of ask them questions about, you know, do you like to talk pregame? Do you like to talk uh, after games? Does it matter when we go to you? Is it, you know, what's your routine like pregame so I don't bother him and I know when I can go to him? So that, that kind of set things up easy stuff like that um i'm also looking forward to talking to, to um uh our new uh steven vote our new bullpen catcher analytic i don't know what his title actually is um uh, but he's a uh awesome dude long time catcher for the a's i don't know if you guys know him at all but he is fantastic dude and he's a big golfer too so i'm excited to talk to him and uh get to know him um i don't think anybody else um it just you know it, it's it's fun as you guys know, you know, you go to school and you go home for the summers, you come back and you see everybody. And it's kind of nice just to catch up and say, Hey, what's up? You know, I say hi to Ty France, right. And say hi to Cal and say hi to the pitchers and be like, Hey, Marco, what's up, dude. You know, and see how the family's doing. Um, I, I always enjoy that part of it. I think, I think that um, I've learned throughout the years and, and you guys hopefully have learned quicker than I have is building relationships is really important in this business, especially if you're around them as much as I am on the team, you know? So getting to know, again, getting to know these guys outside of baseball is huge because it helps you in everything that you do. So I I strongly recommend guys out there starting uh, whatever team you're covering, get to know them a lot uh, as much as you can and talk to them, as much as you can without actually interviewing them on camera, an actual interview, because sometimes guys go to say a certain player only when they need an interview. And the guy will be like, man, there comes this guy again, or, or they'll avoid that guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if, if they see you coming and they know that you're not going to want anything from them and just want to chat, chat and, you know, find out whether they went to college, talk about different rivalries, talk maybe high school, or maybe you have something in common with a guy, or you play golf or this or that, or you got, you have young kids or something. So uh, it's one of my big things to tell people when you start, get to know coaching staff too, because the coaches will tell you a lot more than the manager will. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They'll tell you more. So again, get to know everybody and um, just build relationships and enjoy it. I think it's super interesting that you say that because I think Lyle and I shared the same, um, I'd say the same takeaways from when we were in school senior year before our senior year got wiped out in 20, both of us were covering spring training. And I thought the dynamic in a major league baseball clubhouse was just so much different than anything you covered college, like not even close. Mm -hmm. The environment felt tense. It felt very intimidating for you know a couple of 22 uh, 21 22 sure. year olds attempting even in spring to, training to be huh? in a, yeah even in spring training when everyone's supposed to be light and loose and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff because you could feel right away when we step into that clubhouse that there's no trust between us and the players they don't know who we are why we're there why we're asking them these questions mm-hmm. opposed to you where you say you know i'm gonna walk right in there and i'm gonna i'm gonna build up a relationship with a player that hey maybe i haven't met yet but they're going to see me all season. So that's what I have to do. And it was just, it was, it's so nice to hear you say that, that, you know, these guys do actually open up and it makes it mm-hmm. that much easier to cover because it feels like it, I felt like I got a, a bad first impression on that. Yeah. And I think you feel that more too, um, even in my role in visiting clubhouses, you know, guys, you see um, 
two series a year, you know, like say uh, Toronto comes in, we go to Toronto, right? And then if I'm like, hey, I want to go talk to, you know, George Springer, who I actually knew from Houston, which was good, but then like a Vladdy Jr., you know, he doesn't know me. Like he sees me coming in, he could easily say, oh, I don't have any time or this or that. And, you know, it, it's it's harder with the visiting players. Um, but the guys you see a lot like the AL West. Another thing too is is when you get to know, uh, the, the visiting media or, or media from another team, you can say, Hey, what's this guy like? Or what, you know, and, and you can kind of say, is there anything I know about him to talk about? And then you can you know, get in on that way. Like this guy says, you know, your NFL team, you like, they're terrible, but you know, and just kind of get something going, you know, like um, I know for years I, I talked to uh, Mike Trout with the angels without ever interviewing him, just trying to talk to him and get to know him a little bit. Um, and now when I see him, it's like, Hey, you know, and I always, another good thing too is say, Hey, um, like, Hey, I need you in five minutes or can you do it right now? Just say, Hey, you're here like, you know, four days, three games or four games, whatever it is. Do you have any time at all in this series? Just name your, you know, I'll make it work. Whatever works for you. Does tomorrow work? Cause the first day is tough. Cause everybody has meetings, right? They've got pitchers meetings, they got hitters meetings at the first game of a series. They go scatter report over everything. So the first day is really tough to get any interviews. So, I always like to say, hey, second day, third day, whatever works for you. We can come to you, locker room, field, dugout, whatever. And, you know, and they're much more accessible to that, you know. But um, building relationships, it, it just takes time. You know, and you guys, like you going for spring a couple times, uh, it, that's that's going to be hard to do, you know. So find something, you know, look at his bio, find something, you know, a high school or a he played another sport or, or, you know, he, he played with somebody or something that you guys can, can use to try to get in and, and get on a personal level, you know, before you maybe ask him for a question or something. You know, you mentioned Stephen Vogt a couple minutes ago and, and Love everything him. you just mentioned about, you know, building relationship relationships off air obviously makes total sense. And, and that's how you build trust and rapport with a lot of people as, as you make your way through this business. But I just got to I got to ask, I mean, do you guys with Roo Sports this year have any plans to do some on camera segments with Stephen Vogt? I know he's not a player anymore, but that guy, that yes. guy's a character. I mean, <laughs> he, he used to do some of his MLB network interviews. Yes. Oh, he was like the best one. Yeah. And I talked to him. I met him. Well, I kind of reintroduced myself at the uh, spring training, uh, the, the spring luncheon at, at T-Mobile Park. And he was there. And, and I said, what do you do? I know he lives in. um Gosh, was it Vancouver, Olympia, I think? Olympia, yes. So yeah. he's going to like kind of commute. And I said, watch you on MLB Network. I said, I figured you'd be doing some, some uh, you know, broadcasting. But but apparently he really wants to manage. So he's kind of getting his foot in the door. And then he's hoping in a year or two to manage. And Oakland didn't even bother trying to get him on staff. I mean, Oakland's this whole whole other problem. But, but you're right. And I said, dude, I'm going to be going to you a lot for quite just – anything right if if you like need to fill two minutes and you're looking around sometimes you know in pregame no one's out there you see vote you're like oh yeah Stephen vote what do you want to talk about i don't even know i don't even care <laughs> let's just talk right he's going to be used a lot and you're right we're going to have a lot of Stephen vote segments because he is such a character and so good uh, on air and um i think he's going to help out cal a lot he's going to help out tom murphy a lot just catching and just kind of just keeping everything light and keeping everybody kind of, you know, focused and, and having fun at their job. But yeah, 
you're going to see him. Yeah. I like that. A weekly segment, right? We'll have to come up with something, something clever, something with vote, like Steve, something like a week. Uh, we'll have to come up with something, but yeah, absolutely. Speaking of dealing with these players, I was curious. I thought of this question a little bit before you you jumped on. Which player gave you the biggest dry cleaning bill while you're sideline reporting because they dumped Gatorade <laughs> on you? Um, you know, the times I did it, I feel bad for Jen and Angie because they actually get the Gatorade. I've only got the, the Gatorade jug of water. So I've been oh. pretty fortunate there. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Pure Gatorade. Um. I able to dodge that. I got water. Now, the last um, game when they when they clinched the playoffs, when Cal hits the walk off against the A's, um, that was just that was just pandemonium in there. And I think everybody was spraying everybody with beer and champagne. That was a lot of fun. And then Toronto, same thing. I was a little smarter in Toronto and had some rain gear. Um, uh, but I would say, let's see. So in that celebration, um, JP probably got me the best. Um, but everybody was killing it. JP was killing it. Oh, and, and no one had more fun than Tom Murphy. I'm telling you what, that guy, <laughs> I mean, the goggles were on and he was enjoying it. So I mean, everybody did, but he was he was special, that, uh, that celebration. So yeah, you, you just, you kind of just wear it right and you just kind of, kind of move on and 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 you, you try to get the smell out you know you got to go home and shower right away because your hair everything smells like like wet beer champagne like carpet nasty but i tell you what the amazing thing guys the next day you go in the clubhouse and it's spotless you can't see there's it's dry carpet no smell i don't know how they do it or how long those clubbies stay up cleaning that thing but it is spotless the next day amazing that is amazing. I mean, because even working for a minor league team, you see how long it can take to kind of get stuff ready oh, for yes. a game. But the major league clubhouses, I mean, that's a whole different ball game. And especially after you end a 21-year drought, I can only imagine. <laughs> they put the tarp up for the lockers in their clothes, which I get. But then everything out is just a free-for-all, you know. And it's just – it's it's a lot of fun. And, and I think that they should be, you know, we think should be celebrating uh, – again after this season again it's just it's just setting up well for them i think the west is is you know not great outside of houston i don't know if the al is great outside the east is pretty strong but central doesn't worry me at all um i think it's yeah it's 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 gonna be fun i'm excited for it you know i think this interview has been really interesting because we've done a lot of mariners heavy stuff with some of our guests which has been great but i think this has been a very different spin for maybe some people that aren't like the three of us and aren't in the sports broadcasting mm -hmm. world that kind of get a peek behind the scenes to how some of this stuff works and you've been great with that and i actually wanted to take it a step further for maybe people who don't understand all the work that goes into a telecast especially a pregame and postgame show mm -hmm. for you guys what does it look like behind the scenes getting ready for a pregame or postgame show every night well, thank you for telling people that we actually work hard. Thank you. We talked no, a lot about golf and a lot about celebrating and, and drinking beer, but yes, <laughs> we do work hard. Um, it, um, but it does get easier as you, as you, as you go along, but it, it's fun to kind of, kind of delve into some storylines uh, for, let's take a home game, a normal seven o'clock home game, right? Or seven ten. 10. Um, we'll go down and meet around three o'clock. 
uh, in their trailer next to the truck at T-Mobile Park. The producer, myself, and either Bill Kruger or Valley or Ryan Roland Smith, whoever's with me, and Angie and Jen. And we'll have an idea of what we're, you know, the team's coming in or say the Angels are coming in. We'll talk, hey, let's talk Otani. Let's talk Trout. Let's see if we can get this guy on Otani. Is he going to resign? Is he going to be the biggest free agent ever, which I think he will be. I think he'll be the first $500 million man. I mean, it's just ridiculous how good he is. Um, so we hash that out and we figure out who we're going to talk to. We always get the manager every day. Then we'll talk, we'll figure out like, who do you want to talk to today? Like who does well against maybe this pitcher or who's having, who's hot or something's coming up or an injury, someone's coming back. So, you know, we'll figure out who we need to talk to get sound wise and figure out storylines, you know, from the Mariners. Um, figure out some angels as well, just, just to be balanced, figure out what, what else we need to show up. There's anything around the league that's interesting. Um, I think this year, the first couple of weeks of the show is going to be talking about, you know, the rule changes and the shift and the pitch clock, which I think is fantastic. So I think those will be incorporated in our shows and then we'll go and get those interviews and then go hang out. And, and it's, it's, if you see me guys, it's, I'm, I'm like, just, I'm hanging out with, just everybody on the field. I'm in the batting cage, you know, I'm hanging out there in the dugout. People come out, the relievers throw first and they come in. I'm just hanging out, chatting, you know, just water cooler stuff. So, but it's, but it's also getting information, you know, and, and if I don't need a guy, but I'm like, Hey, what makes this guy's curveball so good? You know, you talk to a hitter and they'll say something, whatever you're like, oh, okay, something to look for. And you tell the viewer, say, Hey, this guy throws curveball. It's kind of a 12, six. You don't see it very often. You know, something to look for. He likes to bounce it when he's ahead in the count or whatever, you know, whatever that little tip could be. And you kind of say that, claim it as your own. You say you're talking to a guy, he said this, look for this. It's just another little insight, little nugget for, for the viewers, you know. And then then we'll go out and we'll figure things out and, and run, get the rundown and go through things and go out to rehearsal about 6 o'clock. Um, and we'll do like a, a run through maybe the first couple of segments just to make sure graphics is up and we know kind of where we're going and who's doing what. And then six thirty is is the show, and um, and we have a lot of fun doing it. You know, it, it's 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 not scripted. There's no teleprompter. There's no scripts or anything. I mean, we'll have a rundown, so we'll know kind of what we're doing, kind of like you guys do in radio. But you don't you, you don't script it. It's all kind of off the cuff. And we've worked together for so long now that it's it's you know you kind of know how to lead guys or how to talk to guys or, or what their strengths, weakness, comfortable, and just have fun and just get people ready and excited for baseball. So. And then during the game, we're kind of doing the same, just kind of scoring it. I like to score the games and kind of thinking about storylines. What do we do in post? Talk to producer, figure things out, then say, hey, if it ends like this, let's do this, this, this right up the top. We're going to walk off interview. We'll show this. We'll show another home run. My gosh, awesome. Go to break, come back, you know, stuff like that as you're doing during the game. And then so the post game just kind of flows and kind of you just kind of incorporate whatever sound you get this we have let's just run it now they'll kind of tell you okay brad uh jen's got uh you know ty france toss to that so you're like, hey, but you toss to that so that stuff's all and you're done you know after post so it's it's not like it's a you know i'm not gonna lie and say it's a 15 hour day um but it, it's something that where when you go at three o'clock you've already done some prep so you know what's going to be coming up on the show you know you don't come in just like hey who's playing oh the oh the uh i almost said the indians uh, the guardians, guardians are here. right. You're like, Oh, what's going on? Oh, you know, all that stuff. So it's a little prep before at home and just get ready and, and have fun and be interesting and, and, and again, get people excited. 
did you always want to do baseball when you were looking for your for your next job when you were you were here in Portland working with some people I work with right now, yes. Ron Callen uh, and Mike Parker as well? Uh, what, what, did you think, hey, baseball, baseball's it? No, I really didn't because I was in Portland and Fox did this whole regional regional is what they call it. RSNs, regionals, yeah, RSNs, regional sports right? network. Yeah, and I was thinking, man, I want to go up to like the Bay Area. That'd be kind of fun, right? But since I was here, they wanted to keep me here. So I knew Pac-12 teams and stuff. And I said, that's fine. Come to Seattle. Never been to Seattle. Took the job. Said, cool. Um, and and then at the time, we had Sonics. We had Pac-12. We had Mariners. We had we still did the high school stuff. I mean, we were doing we were doing all over stuff. We were still doing football, basketball, pretty heavy Pac-12. So we were traveling, doing stuff. Then I got into doing some play-by-play for some college sports, which I thought was really fun. Basketball, a little bit of football as well. So I didn't really know. I, I, I like everything, you know, kind of like you guys, just kind of well-rounded and, and had, I guess, enough knowledge on every sport so you can kind of, you know, figure your way around. Um, but then we lost Sonics. Let's not get into that. Then we lost the Pac-12. Let's not get into that and the Pac-12 network. So we were pretty much down to our main partner before the Kraken game was the Mariners. And so it just made sense to then say, hey, I want to be the Mariners guy. Um, And so, you know, I think, you know, one, I kind of started and I think I became kind of the the main travel guy next couple of years. And then um, it just kind of kind of happened. Teams went away and then we got the Mariners and it just kind of, you know, when, when your first year is, is, is a one when they never lost and, and Lou Pinella's your interview every day, I like that doesn't get much better than that, you know? So I was pretty fortunate. My first full year was a one. Um, and then just kind of was doing it ever since, but it's nice now to do a little cracking. You know, we talked about Sonics coming back. We'll do a little basketball. And then it's kind of like you, you've got sports throughout the whole season. The off season in it isn't, isn't as long, but don't worry that there'll still be time for golf. In, in the off season and during the season. So, but you know, I've grown to really appreciate baseball. I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite. I still think I like football, basketball better, but um, just being around professional athletes, as you, as you guys know, just being watching what the best in the world does every night gives you great appreciation. And so it's, um, it's been, it's been a lot of fun covering the Mariners for sure. It sounds to me like you're going to end up on the golf channel. I think, <laughs> I, I think so that's, too, I man. think that's where the, I think that's the end game yeah. here. You know, I, years and years ago, I did, um, had, uh, a chat with them, but it just wasn't right then. And, and I don't know, I don't know. Um, uh, maybe I don't know. My wife's from here, never lived anywhere else. So it'd be hard to get her to move, but Orlando is pretty warm. You know, I don't know. That'd be, that'd be kind of fun. Be, it's a, it's a nice good to, retirement place. Exactly. Free retirement. <laughs> exactly. Free, right. Gosh, retire. Wouldn't that be great? retire i keep thinking about like gosh getting older it's like when can i retire and then i look at the kids and i'm like god i got one two three colleges to pay for so it's like man it's gonna be like another i don't know 20 40 years <laughs> that i can retire yeah. but, but if you ah. knock out all the if you knock out all the golf course like if you knock out a bunch of golf courses that you want to golf on now then there's less you have to cover when you get older good point yeah i like that so yeah we're going my oldest uh, as a senior and she's going through the whole college process. Um, so she's been fortunate to get, to get into some colleges that she likes and she's getting some, some, uh, some merit, which is good. I told them that either scholarship or academic or something, and you're going to apply for everything. I don't care what it is. 
you're applying for anything. I don't care if you're not even in that major or involved, you're applying for it. So yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll be a while. That's okay though. We like our job for this good. <laughs> okay. So when Julio's contract ends, are you oh, still man. the pregame postgame host at Root Sports? <laughs> That's awesome. You know, it's funny. We had, who was it? Jen, I think it was Jen Mjolna years ago said, um, man, you know, Junior's going to be in the Hall of Fame. That'll be cool. We'll, we'll be working here to go to Cooperstown and see Junior. And we're like, well, Edgar's probably getting the Edgar got in. And then we're thinking, you know, it's going to be like, as Itro was still playing at the time. So we said, whenever he retires, you know, another five years, we're like, man, we're not going to be here for when Itro goes in. No way. <laughs> I'm like, damn, it's going to be, what, two years? <laughs> so we're going to be here. Um that's just good. When that contract is up, when in twenty like, I think it's thirty nine. I think he's got thirty nine years. I think it's is it's, it's seventeen if it if it goes all the crazy? way through. I'm so surprised say he, did he retires that. at the end of that. That puts him on the in twenty forty four. Twenty forty four. It's another twenty one years. <laughs> Am I still doing it? I'm gonna say no. I'm okay. gonna say no. I'm gonna okay. say, <laughs> but probably working in some capacity, some maybe a, a starter on the golf course. Ooh, Wouldn't that be nice? Start that probably work for free, but golf for free. You could here. I have that. a perfect job for you. A, a job on the Better golf course. That? A okay. thankless, yeah, a thankless job that uh, <laughs> that nobody listens to, but is always appreciated. You can be the guy on the 16th hole at TPC Scottsdale that holds up the quiet sign at the waste management. <laughs> That nobody oh, yeah. listens to. And nobody does. <laughs> oh, that's one tournament I want to get to. You know, I've been close with some spring training, but I haven't haven't been there and I haven't seen the 16th. And my gosh, what a so scene. Yeah, we have uh, we've been there twice. We were there three weeks ago. Oh, uh, is it awesome? We also went when we were in school, too. <laughs> okay, now, did you go as fans, enjoyed it, or did you kind yes. of work it somehow? Okay. Yeah, we went twice. We went twice, got up early, and went to 16. <laughs> and nice. it's funny. It's funny because this last time that we went a few weeks ago, I either said it to TJ or one of our friends. I said, it's funny, you know, most of these golf courses, there's these people holding the quiet signs up on the course. It's funny. It's <laughs> the 16th hole at, at TPC Scottsdale. They just don't even bother. They don't have one. And, and these guys were like, no, Lyle, they do have one. They just, they nobody do. listens. Right. <laughs> were you there when the guys took the shirts off with Joel Damon and with Harry Higgs last year? Like their uh, no, 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 no. We went. No, it was it, it was this season. We we missed all the fun because last season was the one where I forget what's his name got the hole in one, and then everybody chucked oh, their beer onto the beers. course. Yeah. And then this year they had ba they banned cans at the at the sixteenth hole. <laughs> Is yeah. that right? They just have cups. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and just throw the cups out. Cans could be kind of a weapon, I guess. Right. So instead, they that. everyone just made a giant beer snake like they love to make at Wrigley until the security came and took away the beer snake. It was really unfortunate. <laughs> Man, I wish I was back in college again with you guys. We would have had a good time, guys. You know? <laughs> yeah. We would have had a damn good time. But yeah. I agree. I wouldn't but say you... you're too old to get to the 16th. You you need to no, wake I... up a little bit early. Do you think you, okay. do you, the big thing is though, Brad, do you think you could make the three quarter mile sprint at seven in the morning? Like like sprint? Or just kind yeah, of a you, you, it's like old it's man a jog? very fast paced jog from the entrance to the sixteenth. Oh, is that what it is? And then it's just yeah. kind of first come, first serve, you just go? Mm -hmm. uh, 7 a.m. If I'd warmed up, I'd say a pretty good pace. Maybe not mm -hmm. a sprint. Maybe I'd be smart and go with you guys, and you would sprint mm -hmm. and save me that seat. 
There we go. That's you. You can lag behind a little bit. You it wouldn't be as good of a seat, but you could make it. Okay. Good. So that is that like uh, the primo spot? People at seven a.m. just run there and, and it's full the rest of the day. Yeah. So okay. no, it opens at seven a.m. But on Saturday at the at the waste management when there's two hundred fifty thousand people there wow. to get a good seat, you got to get there at like four thirty. Jesus. For yeah. the sixteen. <laughs> yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh! They're waiting in line to as it to open up. So oh. so funny I'm story on that. that. We made the mistake the first time we went, we went on our, our senior year of college. We went and got there probably at like 6.15 and we figured, yeah, it'll be fine. Uh-huh. And um, it is absolutely packed. The line, like it's filed wow. back like, I, close to a mile. I and, think there was um, 3,000 people in front of us. So 6.15. And <laughs> yeah, it's 6.15 in the morning. And we've got one friend who kind of knows his way how to work around things. And he goes, it's fine, guys. Just just follow me and and he <laughs> takes us through this like underpass of all these rocks and and we're like kind of cutting the line of all these people <laughs> and we get basically up to the front and uh and he's like leading the charge and some people see him our friend like basically just kind of sneak his way into the front and people Ooh. start booing him or whatever at like 6 30 in the morning and everybody's like pissed off at him he's like right what are, are, are they booing us or whatever <laughs> yeah. so 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 long story short, yeah, you if you want to really get in line on those wow. Saturdays, it's it's like a four forty five five a.m. type of arrival. I don't like. You know what? Let's just use our press pass and go there. Okay, here we yeah. go. <laughs> there we go. Exactly. Uh, nice. Man. Okay, Brad. I've got one final Mariners question. Okay. To kind of wrap this up with you, as we're going to preview some pitchers a little later on this show this week, TJ and I. So I just thought I'd ask you this: with the way the rotation is shaping up for 2023, is this on paper the best rotation you've seen in your time working with the Mariners? Or if not, where does it rank? Oh, um, I would have to say it is one through five the best. I think in 01, you know, that, that's going to be tough to beat record-wise, all those guys, um, mm-hmm. just because of the magical season, you know. Um, yeah, everybody, gosh, it was Seeley, Moyer, Abbott, Freddie Garcia. They all won at least 17 games. I mean, a couple 20-game winners. That was crazy. Palama won like 11. That was crazy. But I, but I think these guys, talent-wise, Yes, it is the best. Will they have the best result? You know, we'll wait to be seen. But a, a full year out of Castile, another year at a Kirby, a full year out of Kirby, Gilbert. Um, when Robbie Ray's like your fourth best pitcher, when they saw Young a couple of years ago. And then Marco, who's your number one for three years, is now your five. It's like, man, they're all a little different. And I like the righties and lefties um, split. You know, it's not all righties, not all, all lefties, um, like the Angels. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I – Absolutely, I'm, I'm glad you thought about this because that'll we'll bring this up as well too in our on root sports. Yeah, it, it, one through five for sure, and then Flexen, who's a, a really good major league starter. He's your sixth guy. He's in the pen for your mop up guy right now, long guy. So I think that they've they've done a great job of drafting and developing a couple of guys and getting guys in free agency and identifying that you know what pitchers ballpark. The AL West has got pitcher ballparks as well like outside of Houston and Texas is is fair now. Um, but play to your strengths and, and their strength is pitching. And that's why they're in 
seemingly every game. They're in every series. We know that. It's not like you're going to roll in and say, oh, you face the four and the five, and we're going to win this series against the Mariners. No chance with Ray and Gonzalez or Ray and Kirby. However, they they, they split it up. So um, I think every series they're going to be very competitive, and I think it's because of pitching and, and the bullpen as well. So long-winded saying, yes, one through five, this is the best rotation that we've ever seen in Seattle. There we have well, it. it's going to be pretty exciting to watch these yes. guys. I mean, the position players for sure, but to see this rotation in full force in 2023, it, it's got the chance to be a special season. And and you're going to have a front row seat to it because if you guys want to listen to Brad, you guys can hear him on the pregame show, on the postgame show, on Root Sports on TV, and you'll see him doing doing some sideline reporting too. Absolutely. So, and maybe yeah. some play-by-play if somebody gets COVID. Oh, there we go. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> remember that? Wow. Yeah. That was fun. But yeah, so you, yeah, it'll it's it's fun to, to to do a lot of different things as you guys know. So I think a spring training game, I'm gonna pop in and, and do a couple innings and just kind of, um, yeah, be versatile and and and, and well rounded, guys, as you know. Right before before Lyle wraps it up, I just wanted to sneak this in because I, I don't I didn't think this could wait because it's very relevant. I just want to say you have a great birthday, by the way. You share it with two, uh, me and one other who looks just you? like me. No <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. Solid, dude. Did you have a good Friday? Yeah. It was a good birthday. It's a good one. Yeah, it's a great day of the week. It's perfect. It's far enough after Christmas that yeah. there's no. It's not going to mix with any holidays. It's not close to Easter. Uh, the only gripe nice. is that it's not during the summer. That's the only gripe. Yeah, I know. But for me, I had a great Friday. We, we won our uh, girls' basketball game. I coached my younger two in uh, Boys and Girls Club. Um, the Blood Sharks is the team name. Um, and now we moved to 5-0, and and we have the championship game on the 17th, St. Patty's Day. So I don't know if that's – broadcasting rights at times have been announced yet, but I imagine that game is going to be – you know, in high demand, a sellout here in Bellevue at the Boys and Girls Club. Um, pay-per-view, maybe. I'm not sure what they're going to do with it, but it's going to be Sponsored by Guinness? Epic. Sponsored. <laughs> you would think so, right, on St. Patty's. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that game. So we're practicing hard to play our rival. We already beat them twice this year. Tell the girls, hard to beat a team three times. So um, that's kind of going to be the focus for me the next uh, week, guys, until the 17th. And then it's spring training and Mariners. But for right now... Blood Sharks, right? Well, March 3rd, March 3rd. March no, write 3rd. it down on your calendars. That's great, TJ. That's awesome. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> well, seriously, Brad, this has really been an awesome interview. Thanks for giving us nearly an hour of your time to kind of it's talk been shop that long? about. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm going to make dinner now. I'm surprised nobody's been yelling at me. This is great. <laughs> Maybe they well, made dinner without me. Oof, then, that's the right. best case scenario. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell them it's work. Like doesn't sound like work, Dad. No, but this is. It's yeah, it's work what we're doing here. Yeah. So good job. Golf, waste management open. You know, it's all important work. stuff. Sprinkling I've learned a little a bit lot. of baseball. Right. And I've learned a lot about exactly. that waste management. So that's very cool. See? I like that. So I appreciate it, guys. Anytime. It's been kind of fun. We'll we'll do maybe uh, you know, some updates during the season. You know, whenever you guys want. It'll be fun. Enjoy it. That'd that would be great. That would be awesome, really. We're going to take you up on that at some point in the For season. For sure. And, really and whenever it. you guys come up, we can play some golf. That sounds <laughs> great. You just you just might have to put up with our game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I put up with Felix. It's it's fine. It's okay. going to be just fine. All right. Trust me. <laughs> well, that's that's my goal, and that and, and that's TJ and I's uh, I guess 
line to beat is try to golf better than one of the greatest pitchers in Mariner history. So there you go. Yep. <laughs> there we Don't go. Don't lose more than 12 golf balls, a dozen. That's your limit. There we go. 12 golf balls. All right. Noted. Brad Adam, thanks so much for the time. This has been such a blast. You bet. Thanks, guys. Well, that was a great interview with Brad Adam. We certainly appreciate the time he gave us and hopping on with us. Just another great interview we've had over the last few weeks. And as we know, we're just getting closer and closer to the start of the season. And there's been plenty of headlines in spring training that have been fun to watch. And we're pretty excited about a lot of them. Okay, TJ, let's get on here to our starting pitcher previews. This is going to be one of those segments where, or one of those positions where it's all kind of set in stone, but there's still a lot to dig into with each guy. And let's start at the top. Luis Castillo traded over from the Reds to the Mariners last season. He was the ace of the staff all of August and September. He was an ace in the playoffs, and he's expected to be at the top of the rotation here in 2023. I think you it's safe Se- to say, I think it's safe to say he's worth every penny they've paid for. We've talked about that. A hundred percent. You said is set in stone, which made me chuckle. You probably listened to Ryan Davis's podcast this, uh, this past week, extra innings, which he said, Oh man, I got to get around to record when he was here on us. But he, he mentioned, I think on there, he's like, man, you know, this camp is kind of boring because everything is, is pretty much set in stone. And I don't think anything encapsulates that more than the rotation. And like the starting five that finished last year, were all like, to about a 95% assurance that they were going to be the the five to start in the rotation this year. And, and Castillo is one of those guys. Man, Lyle, we've just seen how this offseason and spring training has unfolded, especially with Frankie Montas. Every dollar, every prospect, every ounce of effort you put into getting Luis Castillo was worth it 100%. It's like, it's not even an inkling. It's not even a question. Do you remember, Lyle, some 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 of our friends thought, you know, they might have given up a little bit too much for Luis Castillo? I want I don't want to toot my own horn, but I was like, well, that's the price you got to pay to get elite stuff. And they got elite fucking stuff from Luis Castillo. And it makes it all that much more worth it. The fact they didn't waste any time to extend him. He pitched for him for about a month and a half, a little less than two months. They said, yeah. This guy's our ace. We're not letting him go anywhere. And they did exactly that. They extended him for a contract that, by the way, is less than what Robbie Ray's making. I know Robbie won the Cy Young, but when you look at it from that perspective, and when you look at the fact that what some of these pitchers were getting in free agency, like Carlos Rodon and what he got with the Yankees, which was six for over 160, Luis Castillo has been worth every penny from the trade and the extension. You could maybe argue Rodon is probably just a little bit better than Luis Castillo at this point, which is fair. But it, if you look at like inflation adjusted, I think Luis Castillo in the open market of the five-year deal probably gets $30 million more. And this isn't saying, well, this is not me saying the Mariners do a good job of budgeting. Uh, this, I guess they do do a good job of budgeting. But now, again, the preference is you would spend that budgeted money somewhere else but last that's not the point of this episode so you know that contract for Luis he's got uh it's five years starting this year right they essentially just bought out his last year of the contract and they extended on top of it right I think that's it yeah I believe so and there is like a sixth year I think a vesting option there is some sixth year option in that contract so it could go as long as six years okay 
and I don't think anything showcased really how valuable Luis is until the playoffs. Who like who's starting those games if it wasn't Luis? Was it was it Robbie who's starting game one? Right. If you don't you don't shout those prospects for Luis. I mean, it's is it Robbie Ray's at Logan Gilbert? It, is that what what you're comfortable with for your guy going out there game one? That probably is the rotation. And then if there had been a game three, it's probably Kirby. But that's nowhere near the same strength that it was having Luis Castillo. And I mean, look at look at what he did against Toronto. I mean, well, first off, even against Houston, he was still good. I mean, in that Astro start, he went seven innings, three earned at Minute Maid Park, which is no easy thing to go through that Astros lineup as we know. But good God, that start in Toronto, that was as dominant an outing as I've watched in nearly my entire lifetime outside of Felix's perfect game. And he did it with five strikeouts too. It manages to mix velocity with just not allowing any hard contact at all. It just kind of shows you the versatility he has as a pitcher, and which is why I'm really excited that we're going to get a full healthy season for a guy outside of the beginning of last year has been so durable throughout his career, which gives you every inkling that he will continue to be durable and why the Mariners are comfortable giving him that long contract. And there's another thing, Lyle, that I I was looking at this year that makes it so exciting is that he's continuing to evolve as a pitcher, which is very important. Um, His, this offseason, I would say this spring training, Lyle, has been the spring training of the new pitch, right? I believe all the the other four Mariners starters we'll touch on all have a new pitch, right? So if we go like Robbie Ray is throwing a splitter, Logan Gilbert's throwing a splitter, George Kirby's throwing a splitter now. And Marco Gonzalez is now throwing a slider. Four guys with four new pitches. Luis Castillo is the only one of that group without a new pitch. Right, I think, I unless I'm missing something, I don't think he added a new pitch. I'm not sure he needs one. I pointed this out to you yesterday. Hey, this is going to be a bit of a longer tangent, but just just hear me out, which is when I mentioned evolving, this stat right here was so incredibly mind-boggling that I had to send it to Lyle. I was like, this looks really weird, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, yes, it does. When looking at how Luis Castillo has evolved as a pitcher, when he was in his heyday with the Reds, his go-to pitch was his changeup. Not saying his changeup, isn't still a, a good pitch by, you know, movement and velocity and look. It is. But when we look at results for the 2022 season, his changeup was his worst pitch by run value and baseball savant. It was his worst pitch. Um, I mean, he allowed uh, a wOBA of 333, which is you know fine, but a little bit, I guess, above average for what a good changeup is supposed to be. Kind of similar to his sinker. And he didn't really have a high strikeout rate on that pitch. It was just 22%. If you go back to 2019 for his changeup, his changeup had a run value of minus 28. It was one of the best pitches in baseball with a 47% whiff rate and a 47% strikeout rate. That's the difference of three seasons right there with his changeup, which makes you raise an eyebrow. It's like, so is Luis Castillo getting worse because his best pitch is going away? No, he's not. Now let's go look at his fastball. This blew my mind. Luis Castillo, Lyle, did you know he's never had an above-average fastball in his career until this year? 
not before we looked it up. No. I mean, he's just off the eye test. He's always looked like he's had a really good fastball. But to your point, just off run value, he hasn't. There's a difference between throwing hard and having a good fastball, and that that's what I, I'm trying to like get into that. So like you can always throw hard and not have a good fastball, but Luis Castillo this year, I'm not sure. We'll have to we'll have to get some pitching expert on here to talk about what makes it that good and how he was able to make it that good. Let's let's list off some run values for Luis Castillo in his career. The only time he's at an average fastball was his rookie season he was zero and then after that run value wise plus 15 plus two plus two plus four that's all the blue that's all like bad that's on the wrong side of average for Luis Castillo but then when we go to this season in 2022 his fastball was minus 18 run value which is an elite pitch it was the sixth best fastball in baseball tied with George Kirby I want to just give you some perspective on how some of his numbers improved I like I couldn't believe it. Uh, like let's look at his his batting average. 152 batting average against, 100 points better than his next best year in fastball. The expected batting average was uh still 25 points better than the other previous but not as extreme. Listen to these slugging numbers. His previous best slugging on a fastball in 2021 was 478 which is an above average mark for a fastball. That means the hitter is usually doing pretty well hitting against your fastball. Hitters slugged 194 against Luis Castillo's fastball this year. 194 against a pitch that comes in 98 miles an hour and is the easiest pitch to hit a home run off of in baseball. The fastball is because it gives you all that extra added velocity when you swing at it. But Luis Castillo allowed a 194 slugging percentage in 2022 that's a guy who evolves on the mound he's ridiculous and and just to clarify what you were saying in case there was any confusion for people listening what tj means by fastball is the easiest pitch to hit in baseball he doesn't mean luis castillo's fastball he just means fastballs in general are the easiest pitch to hit in baseball which is true now let's bring to light here what you and i were talking about a little bit off the air this past week are those numbers a product of the D-Juice baseball? Because Luis Castillo is great, but it feels like that might have something to do with it. The ball was deduced last year. Was it not? I, 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 thought it, I thought it got worse in 2022 because, I mean, offensive numbers continued to go down. And part of that's because of the shift, which is now going to go away. But I, I think the baseballs were part of it. But we're talking about a 300-point swing and slugging percentage. 300. That's really that's really extreme. Yeah, I, I mean, how he repeats it this year, or what he does with his fastball this year, will be the storyline to watch there. Just because, I mean, if that's repeatable, I mean, he has a chance to be in the Cy Young race. He probably does already. But, yeah, I mean, I guess to your point, that's a pitcher who's evolving. He's doing more with his fastball, even if he's doing less with his changeup, because he's still one of the 20 best pitchers in baseball, maybe even a little bit better than that. And a lot of that has to do with how he's evolved. It, yeah, it really just blows my mind of, of how big of a jump he made. I, like that, that's like, that's my one big takeaway about prepping for Luis Castillo, man. If he repeats that fastball and he keeps that slugging percentage down, man, I mean, that plays 
in a pitcher-friendly T-Mobile park and really would just reinforce the fact that he is the ace of this team, without a doubt. I, the, the, coming in into this regular season, he is the ace of the team. Because if I, if I told you, Lyle, when we're previewing Luis Castillo, man, his changeup has been regressing. His sinker that he throws, it's been, it hasn't been above average since the 2020 season. His slider is a good, a good, not great pitch. Would you feel very comfortable? There would be some signs of concern for sure, especially if his fastball went back to where it was in 2019 or 2020. But if guys are going to slug less than 200 against his fastball, no, there's no concern at all because that's your ace. I mean, he's he's the ace, plain and simple. We thought it had a chance to be Robbie Ray entering 2022, and Robbie Ray was still good. He was not the ace that Luis Castillo is. I think that's a good transition into Robbie Ray, and I think that's I think maybe what separates you know Castillo from Ray right now because Ray has a good slider as we now take a look at Robbie Ray here for the 2023 season. So Luis is able, even with the the drop-off in his other pitches, to still have that one really elite strikeout pitch. For Robbie Ray, he still struck out a ton of batters. He led the Mariners in strikeouts last year. And overall, if you look at value for that contract, I have absolutely no issue with the Mariners giving Robbie that contract. I'm very excited to watch Robbie Ray in this 2022 season. And I'm really excited to see his evolution as a pitcher because it seems like there have been some signs in spring training that he has evolved a little bit. He has picked up a splitter. It sounds like his slider has a little bit more depth to it. And he's going to get a full ramp up in spring training. There's going to be no rushed spring training like it was last year. And we're not going to have him us wondering where his velo is until July. For sure. Also, I think you mean 2023. I think you said, oh, I'm hyped to watch him in 2022. But I think okay. I get the years mixed up. <laughs> yeah. Well, 20, 2022, I think it's easy to forget. And, and this is actually a decent transition here. I think it's easy to forget. He had a better season than people want to remember because the lasting image that he left in everybody's head was Jordan Alvarez hitting one of the hardest hit baseballs off him that anybody's ever seen. But Robbie Ray, his season as a whole last year actually was totally fine. Now, to wrap up what you were saying about what he's done so far in spring training, Jerry DePoto has raved about him. I know he's only a couple starts in, but DePoto's talked about he's looked awesome. I mean, he's looked good. He's thrown a good fastball. His other secondary pitches have been quality so far. I mean, with a full season to ramp up or a full uh, offseason in spring training to ramp up, he he looks really solid. And I think there's reason to believe he can build off of what he did in 2022. Now, all I mean by he had a better season than people want to remember, I'm not saying he repeated his Cy Young year, but from June on Robbie Ray last year, put up an ERA of what was two nine seven. So once he added that splitter last year, he had a sub three ERA. Who's not going to take that? Do you mean a sinker is two-seamer? Sinker. Sorry, not sinker. Yeah, you're right. Right. So it sounds like this year he's going to ditch the sinker. He he said he wasn't ever really comfortable throwing that sinker too much. 
and I don't blame him. The pitch was very, eh, it was okay. George Kirby did his sinker a little bit better than Robbie Ray did, which Robbie joked about during camp. <laughs> he's like, well, I tried throwing a two-seamer. It was okay. And then George picks it up and starts throwing it, and it's one of his best pitches, period. And I just throw up my hands like, oh, whatever. We look at Robbie Ray, though. Again, there's still there, there's still good, really good things about the pitching profile of Robbie Ray. His fastball is still a good pitch. You can look at the run value of it. You can look the at the parameters of it. You can ask Robbie how he feels about his fastball. He's still a big fan of his fastball. When he made his start uh, last week, he you know he mixed up his strikeouts pretty well. He got a strikeout on his fastball. He got a strikeout on his new splitter, and he got three strikeouts on his slider. That's the diversity I want to see. That's what I want. That, that is part of Robbie's evolution as a pitcher. When he won the Cy Young, he was primarily a two-pitch pitcher, but now he's like, hey, as I'm getting older, my velocity ticks down. I want to find ways to evolve as a pitcher. And this this is kind of it. When you already you have two plus pitches, but again, neither of those pitches, Lyle, are really elite, elite pitches. Now, at least not yet. They could be elite this year. They could be a Luis Castillo fastball this year, but they're not. They weren't last year. And that's probably why Robbie would struggle, you know, sometimes getting through the third time in the order or whenever he faced the Astros <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. I mean, most starting pitchers will not just have a two pitch mix. There's very rare cases where it happens like Tyler Glass now. But to be fair, both those pitchers are really good that he throws. But Robbie Ray, it felt like he probably needed to add a third pitch and he's done that. So it's pretty exciting to see what he might come into 2023 with if he can really throw three quality pitches. And I think the key for Robbie this year well, one, to get off to a better start because he had a couple of really elite months, which is why he was so much better June and on. He was phenomenal in June. He was phenomenal in August. In fact, in August, he had a one nine four ERA across five starts. But I think the big key for him, it's not so much walks. For him, it's just sometimes he catches too much of the plate, which is when he starts to get hit around fairly hard. Like, he's not a guy that you worry is going to lose command. Like he, he's, he's a decent strike thrower. He's just got to give up less soft or he's got to give up less hard contact. He is, he's a guy who used to really struggle with this command, but then he simplified things a lot in Toronto. And I think that really helped him out. And he, he did bring it over into Seattle. I'm interested to see uh, how the pitch clock affects him. He mentioned he felt a little rushed the first time he was out there. I'd imagine he's not the only pitcher who feels rushed when they have to, when they're again, they're using the pitch clock for the first time. It, it looks like he did change up a little bit of his windup. Uh, I wonder. I wonder how that will be um, for 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 this upcoming season. And I'm also, you know, like what what do we think is a reasonable expectation for a splitter? Like, what is he gonna? Do we think he's gonna actually need to use it a decent amount? Is it gonna be his actual go to third pitch? What percentage do we think he throws it? Maybe that's a good way to quantify this. 10 to 12% of the time, if he does it gonna... about that amount and, and throws it well, I mean, that, that feels about right. I was going to say 15%. Like, I think that's good for a third pitch. It just didn't feel like when he threw his two-seamer last year, that really just seemed like a, like a get-me-over pitch. It wasn't too, whether it was intentional or not, it didn't really feel like he was throwing it to, to get outs. I mean, maybe hope for some soft contact, but again, it wasn't really just, wasn't really that effective at doing that. 
which if I, if he's going to learn a new pitch, I would, I would rather it be like a, Hey, I'm confident this is going to get a strikeout, which he has shown in spring training so far that pitch has the depth to do it. Let's just hope it carries over to the regular season and look, Robbie Ray's changed a lot, but as we wrap up talk on him here, I will conclude it with this. Here's two things about Robbie Ray that have not changed and you will plenty see in 2023. He's still wearing tight pants and he's still grunting loud enough to hear him across the stadium. So if you're in the line, if you're in line getting a beer or a hot dog at T-Mobile Park with Robbie Ray on the mound, you're still going to hear him this year, believe me. But the fact that he is 100%. Let, let, let me get one last thing in before we um before we before we transition here. I'm I'm really pleased to see the fact that Robbie Ray is mature enough of a guy and enough of a veteran that he did not spend all offseason lamenting Jordan Alvarez's home runs. He was, according to Corey Brock's article, he shrugged it off. Uh, had some support from the guys in the bullpen who have given up quite a few game-changing home runs <laughs> and has said, hey, this is how you flush it, and he's been able to flush it, and I'm looking forward to what he's going to do with that into this uh, 2023 season. And credit to him, too, for, be willing, for being willing to adapt a little bit because he's won a Cy Young. He's had success in the past, and he didn't kind of just put that contract in his back pocket and coast. He said, no, like I need to improve on what I did in 2022. He adds the third pitch. He's working at it. Like I would give Robbie Ray that contract 10 times out of 10. It's been very team-friendly, and he seems to be a very, very good fit in that clubhouse. This is, this is the last thing I'm going to say, and then I'm going to transition it. If you remember when the Mariners clinched their playoff spot, when Cal hit the walk-off homer against the A's, if you watch that video of Scott Service talking to the team before they started celebrating and popping champagne, of all people, he went to Robbie Ray. Like, he didn't have all these players come up and talk. He did turn to Robbie Ray and have him talk to the team. And I, I thought that was a little bit of an interesting note back when it happened, just because he'd been there less than a year, but clearly guys really like him and and take him pretty seriously. So even more than what he does on the mound, he seems to be a very seamless fit in that clubhouse. So we've talked about the two veterans. Let's get to the young guys. Logan Gilbert's set to enter his third full season or close to third full season. He came up in mid-May of 2021. Last year, 320 ERA for the year, 346 FIP through 185 innings, which was certainly a career high in a season for him. We know all the potential he has. However, are we in the trust tree here, TJ? Of Logan Gilbert. Are we in the trust tree? Yeah. And and when I ask if we're in the trust tree, I, I say that I because so. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say something here. I am a little nervous about Logan Gilbert in 2023 because his savant page, his savant page is not friendly. He gets, he has gotten hit very, very hard his first two years. It's it is interesting for Logan. His peripherals, how would I say that? His when we talk about you know what his his pitches and what is, you know his pitch pitchability, the 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 shape of his pitches, the effectiveness of them, really isn't bad. I mean, if you look at his Savant page, his fastball is actually rated very well each of his first two seasons. You're saying okay. Well, that's a good start for Logan. It's not like he has bad stuff, but you're right. The dude is in the bottom 5% of average exit velocity, hard hit rate. Um, he is not 
very prone to limiting hard contact. So there's there's really every reason in the world to be a little bit nervous about Logan Gilbert. But if you can do all, if he is as bad as he was, uh, giving up all that hard contact and still producing like he has, like without really like that much luck, it wasn't. Um, it it wasn't like he was very overly lucky. I don't think he was overly lucky. He might have been a little bit lucky ERA wise in twenty twenty two, but it wasn't like it wasn't overly. So there's like there's still things to look at, Lyle, to to be a little bit optimistic. There are, and the fact he has four pitches that the Mariners really believe in. They they've always liked his changeup, which he actually doesn't throw a whole ton, but he throws it very well when he throws it. Look, and he still put up good numbers last year. I mean, you're still talking about a guy that, again, put up a 320 ERA, was yeah, 116 ERA plus, which is 16% above league average. He still put up about a three-win season. I am just, the reason I'm a little worried is because it just feels like there could be some regression due at that point with the way that his underlying numbers were trending. But I don't want to make this all negative because there is a positive here. And this is the other side of this coin. So Eno Saris tweeted this out uh, toward the end of last year. Logan Gilbert, toward the end of the year, he started to throw a different curveball. In fact, it was a little bit slower in velocity. It had more drop. And when you look at Stuff Plus, which is a very advanced metric, but in English terms, it just means basically how elite your stuff is, how effective is it. Five of his last six starts, when he was throwing that curveball, his stuff plus was the highest it had been all year. So that's a reason to believe maybe there's another door to unlock with Logan Gilbert, and maybe he started to turn a corner toward the end of last year and unlock something. We mentioned uh, when Castillo, we are talking about Castillo, it's like, hey, Castillo's the only guy without a new pitch. So Logan is one of those guys with a new pitch. He's throwing a splitter which can complement that new curveball. And you also mentioned his changeup, Lyle. He said he actually, he's not going to throw that changeup anymore. The reason he wanted to adapt the splitter is because he did not like throwing the changeup. He wasn't very comfortable throwing the changeup. So he decided to, um, he decided to break out the, the, the ghost fork. Apparently he's, he's modeling it after the Kodai Senga, the, the guy that's now going to be on the Mets, the pitcher coming over from Japan, his for his splitter, that he's, you know, trying to model it after, and he was able to throw five to six of them in his uh, spring training debut a week, uh, a little bit under a week ago on Thursday, and he actually got a strikeout of Fernando Tatis on that pitch. So, it like, it's going to have the same action as the changeup, but if Logan's more comfortable throwing a splitter, then we want him, want him to throw it more, obviously. Definitely. And again, he's still so young, too. This is a guy that has not even thrown three full big league seasons yet. He's thrown less than two full big league seasons. And it just shows that young pitchers, you give them a little time, they can adapt to things too, because Logan Gilbert had this unbelievable four pitch mix throughout the minor leagues. And now he's ready to adapt on it a little bit. He's ready to throw a different Mm -hmm. curveball. He's ready to turn the change up to a splitter. We know the fastball is good. And the thing about Logan Gilbert that makes him so different from so many pitchers. I mean, if you're standing in that batter's box against him, between his size and his length, it feels like he is right on top of you. I mean, like, when you talk about his extension, he gets some of the best extension in baseball. And when you combine it with his size, that can be pretty imposing. 
I remember after his first career start, Terry Francona said that. He's like, yeah, it feels like he's right on top of you. And through his first two seasons, that's been the case. His extension by Savant is 99th percentile. When you have great extension, your pitches don't have as far to go to travel to the plate. So it could make your 95-mile-an-hour fastball look like it's 98. That's why guys with great extension can play up their stuff because their stuff doesn't have as far uh, as far to travel. Which gives me optimism for what gives me optimism for Logan Gilbert as well, Lyle. I don't think I, I might have mentioned this already, but I don't think I have. He doesn't really have a bad pitch. I just don't think he's quote he's not the pitchability is not quite there with him yet, which you would expect from a guy who's only in his second full season, but in his now his third full year, that pitchability could be a little bit better. His worst pitch by run value is a sinker that has plus one. That's it. That's his worst pitch, uh, according to run value last year. So, it, and again, that worst pitch, he only threw 41 times. The, the, the other over nearly 2,000 pitches he threw were all either uh, in the negative run value, which is good, or zero. So, that's good. I would say that's pretty good. And look, while I might be a little concerned with Logan Gilbert entering the season, we also know that if he continues to build on what he's built on, He's a top-of-the-rotation starter, too, at his best. So maybe he turns the corner for good here in year three. Not Again, not that he's been bad by any stretch his first two seasons. He's actually been very good. I just wonder if he can turn the corner to be more of a front-line starter as opposed to maybe the mid-rotation starter that he's been his first couple of years. I can tell you exactly what he needs. He needs a wipeout strikeout pitch because he does not have one. His best strikeout pitch last year was you know his slider, which got – a K percentage of 27%. I guess the best whiff percentage he had was his changeup, but he's not even going to, again, he's not even really going to throw his changeup as a picture goes tumbling off my desk. <laughs> so I hit it. Um, he does not like a true wipeout strikeout pitch has like a whiff rate of like 45% or higher. He's about 20% off in that, in that category. That's what he really needs. Cause that bails you out of any situation, any count you throw the pitch and you're pretty confident you're getting a swing in this. Yeah, it's true. And again, he's got big stuff. It just needs to translate to more strikeouts, which again, yeah, can that, come with time. That's a big key. Good pitchers strike out a lot of batters or limit hard contact, which Logan didn't do a lot of either last year. Strikeout rate was below average, and he got absolutely lit up by, by some guys. Produced good results, but that's not something you really want to to live by. Let's go to the other young arm in this Mariners rotation. A guy who, it's it's tough to describe what our expectations for George Kirby should be this year. They're not going to just let him go as, throw as many innings as possible this upcoming season because he had such a jump in innings last year. But the upside of the innings he can produce in the 25 games he started last year, a 3-3-9 ERA, his fastball was elite, uh, his two-seamer that he brought along was great for pitching ninja the upside of what george kirby brings to a rotation i don't think uh, can be understated and he is i think officially the fourth guy in this rotation who i would not be shocked if they were the best arm in the rotation this year i think his upside's the highest of any of these four guys i mean when you look at george kirby 
when you talk about what he could be, and, and for a rookie year last year, he was great. 339 ERA, his fielding independent pitching was even lower than that at 299, which just measures home runs, walks, and strikeouts, aka what you did on your own as a pitcher, and it's measured like ERA. Three war season as a rookie, but you just want to talk about what he could be going forward. He has four pitches and is now adding more, so he's going to have an arsenal of five or six pitches going forward. He doesn't walk anybody. He throws nearly 100 miles an hour. I mean, if that all adds up to the potential of its fullest, who is that going to be? Is that comparable to the guy now in Texas? Is it comparable to Max Scherzer? I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be that, but if it all clicks, isn't that basically what DeGrom and Scherzer do? Yeah. It would help if he also, like Logan, got a plus secondary, which he does not have right now. Think of it. He got a three-win season off of having a a, a truly elite fastball and then, a, according to Savant, f- uh, five other below-average pitches. Yes, five. So you can count. So the splitter law would be his seventh pitch if he threw all these last year. Yeah, I think and, I wrote down a note here. Pit- Hold on, hold on. I I wrote I wrote a note on that. Here we go. Kirby, uh, as I say that, I remember. Kirby threw six different pitches last year. Two and four seam fastball, curveball, cutter, slider, and changeup. Per StatCast, among 148 arms, he threw at least 1,500 pitches last year. Only Kirby, Chris Bassett, and Tyone threw six different pitches uh, at least 8% of the time. And only Shohei threw seven. So you're telling me that if Kirby adds a seventh pitch, it'll be him and Shohei. That's a pretty good uh that's pretty good company. <laughs> I mean, this guy went 20th overall. And to be fair, I don't think people thought back in the draft he was going to be some guy that would ever touch 100 miles an hour. But man, when he came back in 2021 after all the COVID downtime, I could not believe what my eyes were seeing from those videos on the backfields of him when he was just pumping 100 to 101. Because all of a sudden, he went from a guy that was going to be a command guy and could be a good mid-rotation starter to, again, if everything lives up to the fullest, his arsenal and his repertoire is like DeGrom, Max Scherzer level, if it all pans out. It does. Again, and I mentioned he needs to make his secondary stuff better because I mentioned, wow, it's really cool he has five other pitches besides his elite fastball. None of them were necessarily elite, though, when it comes to results. There is a positive, though. His changeup has above-average movement horizontally and vertically. His curveball has above-average movement both horizontally and vertically, and so does his slider. Uh, His slider horizontally is actually in the elite category in terms of horizontal movement above average. So there's positivity there. That leads to a little bit more upside over a larger sample size, according to the results, uh, opposed to the results we just saw last year. Now, what he does better than almost anybody in baseball is his ability to throw strikes. He He was in the 96th percentile in terms of walk rate this past year. And honestly, I would say that's about his floor. I would expect George Kirby moving forward to every year be in the somewhere between the 98th and 100th percentile in baseball in terms of walk rate. This guy doesn't walk anybody. I mean, the year he was drafted, he gave up six walks at Elon. 
six. And he threw was what was a total of how many innings? Yeah, eighty. It was eighty-eight and a third. Yeah. Okay, it was eighty-eight and a third his last year at Elon. He gave up six walks, and through the minors he didn't give up walks. His first year in the majors, okay, for George Kirby's standard, he gave up a few more walks as a rookie. I think that's going to come down going forward, and it's what he does best. It's why the Mariners you know, loved him in the draft. Do you know what else he doesn't give up? Pulled fly balls. Pulled fly balls to pitchers are the one of the most dangerous outcomes you can have because that's where you give up a good majority of your home runs. Do you know how many fly pulled fly balls George Kirby allowed post-All-Star break? Why don't you enlighten me? Two. Two entire ones. <laughs> um, oh, sorry. I got that stat mixed up. Let's uh, let's 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 restart here. Pull, he gave up four total pulled fly balls. Two of them were on his fastball. I think that's the stat that was that was really bugging. But overall, it was four pulled fly balls, and he gave up one hit, which should have been caught. I went back and I watched the replay, and you watch the ball go into the wall, and Jesse Winker instead of going to the move towards the ball to catch it, just kind of turns his back to the wall and jumps into the padding instead of trying to catch the ball. So I'm going to I'm going to give George a pass on that base hit which probably should have been caught at the wall. It's just incredible to look at a stat for a guy whose best pitch is fastball, he throws it 50% of the time and yet nobody could turn around on that pitch and get it up in the air to the pull side. Not a single player could do that. That it's it's incredible. Again, I'm saying this with my chest puffed out with authority. Going forward, George Kirby has the highest ceiling of anybody in this rotation, and he has the chance to be really, really special going forward for the Mariners. The last thing I'll say on Kirby is, if you want any Mm -hmm. further proof of that, look at the note that he left off on to end his season last year. Seven shutout innings against the Astros. It's the Mariners' first home playoff game in 21 years. The guy's asked to potentially save their season, and he shuts out the best lineup in baseball for seven innings. I mean, he was unreal in that start. I think it gave everybody kind of a full perspective on what he could be going forward. A hundred percent. And we were there to see it in person. <laughs> Nervous as hell, but man, yes. was it exciting. When when he struck Jose Altuve out, I just felt like a tidal wave of emotions just leave my body out of excitement. I felt the emotions, but my voice was gone for about four innings earlier, so I couldn't I couldn't really <laughs> scream that much. What uh, one last thing on Kirby for me? I think it's very interesting to see how the development of Logan and Kirby's splitters go because they're supposed to be thrown with much different properties. I can't remember where I got this note from, but I, I might have been no, a Shannon Dreyer notebook on SeattleSports.com, I think, but. Um, Logan is throwing his splitter with changeup properties while George Kirby is going to try and throw his splitter with fastball properties. I'm, I want to see how George spin spins this. He spun a two seamer better than, than almost anyone I've seen in baseball last year, just picking it up. I'm curious to what he'll see after he's gotten an off season trying to throw a splitter. I can't wait to watch George Kirby this year. I really can't because he has a chance to build on what he did last year tenfold and it's going to be really exciting okay we, i know we've gone a little long with this segment we've got one more <laughs> just a little to bit kind of, <laughs> just yeah to kind bit. of talk about here i mean look there's so much to talk about with each of these pitchers and it's funny we barely talked about kirby all offseason which is funny because he might have the highest upside 
of anybody on the pitching staff, starter or reliever. But let's briefly touch on Marco Gonzalez here. We'll save Chris Flexen for the relievers next week because he's going to be a reliever. Marco Gonzalez, 413 ERA, or rather, yeah, 413 ERA last year. He is a guy that is a replacement level fifth starter. The Mariners are relying on him to be the number five guy entering 2023. And he's a guy that gets hit around a little bit too. So what he brings is going to be interesting because he had a couple good years in 2018, 2019, 2020. Last two seasons have been rockier. It has, but they don't need him to be elite. They just need innings out of Marco Gonzalez. At this point, for all the pitching they've traded for, signed, and developed, they don't need Marco to be elite. We mentioned at the top of this episode that we... Flau's like, well, Bryce Miller should be in there. Well, he probably has better stuff than Marco. I think a good majority of the guys on the roster of the 40-man and in the organization have better stuff than Marco Gonzalez. But I don't really want to shortchange Marco too much because I think last year was probably about as bad as it could get for Marco, below average across the board in many numerical categories besides limiting walks. It just wasn't good. But he has thrown the third most innings in the American League since 2018. That's not nothing right there and that's really what you want from your fifth starter you're not asking him to be an ace and look at what he did in that three-year stretch of 2018 2019 2020 i mean his era was always right around four i'm gonna be honest i don't really care where his era is at if he's putting up wins and in that stretch he put up a three and a half four season after i hear you say wins i did oh sorry no 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 not pitcher wins i mean wins like war no 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 Pitcher wins. <laughs> that, that's that's talked about on this show about as little as bunting is going to be talked about on this yeah, show. Yeah, you were like about to get suspended. Bunting. You were about to get a show suspension for that. Yeah. No, we're not talking about pitcher wins. I mean F war. In 2018, he put up an F war of three and a half, 2019, an F war of 3.6, and in 2020, which was a shortened season, two. So there's been years where he's been very effective. It just hasn't happened the last two seasons. He got back to being a four ERA guy and was putting up three wins. Yeah, we'll take that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. What's a little bit weird with Marco is that when it was like peak, when it was peak juiced ball, he was not giving up home runs really at all. Like he he was very good when it came to limiting home runs. But over the last couple of seasons, he's given up you know a homer and a half a game, which has been pre- it's pretty bad for for a guy like Marco. Again, when they when they have Truly, I'm trying to click over to the total numbers on Savant and is just being a pain in the ass. Um, but if we look at if we look at the peak home run years in baseball, 17, 18, 19. I don't, Marco did not pitch a full season in 17, so we'll throw that out. But in 18 and 19, 18 he gave up 17 home runs in. Uh, uh, well, they don't have innings on here. Thank you. Oh, there it is. In 166 innings, 200, and then. 23 home runs in 203 innings in 2019. That is peak juice ball. That is peak home run in Major League Baseball history. And he was fine at limiting home runs. In that era, that's like, that's fine. That's that you'll take that. But in the last two years, when they've kind of sucked the wind out of the baseballs, he, he has given up 29 and 30 home runs in a season. Can't, like, can't, like, can't happen, really. You can't be giving up that, that many home runs. No, that has to come down in 2023 if he wants to be successful. I guess the last thing I have to say on Marco before I toss it to you for any final thoughts you have is, look, he did cut some weight this past year. He came into camp looking 
much slimmer. The beat reporters have talked about that. And he added a new pitch. So this is a guy that knows he's fighting for something too this year. So, and, and he, we know he's worked at it. We'll just see how it translates to the field this year. It's not a question really if Marco cares. Marco loves the Mariners. He loves every, all of his time in the organization and such like that. So it's, it's not that he's not, you know, he's, he's not putting his best out there, which he is. And another thing to note, I mean, Divish mentioned it when he was on with us, but he had a kid last year, uh, really kind of throws a wrench in everyone's life in terms of sleep schedule, eating, et cetera, everything. So he's had a little bit more time to to focus this year and probably helped helped him get into better shape when he's had a full offseason to process all that stuff and come into camp as, uh, as well as possible. Marco Gonzalez is really easy to root for. Team guy, loves the loves the city, loves the fans, like you said. Let's just hope he can get back on track a little bit this year because if he does, that could really help the team. Okay, that'll wrap up our starting pitcher preview. Before we get to speak your mind here, we're going to incorporate a new segment on the show and we're pretty excited about it because we're going to take some listener questions this week. We're going to answer one. And before we answer it, let me just use this to say, guys, send us questions. Like we want to hear from you guys. We want to answer your questions. So if you guys send us questions on Twitter, DM us on Instagram, DM us. I mean, we're going to try to answer as many as we can. So please open book, send us what you want to send us for this week. I think this topic trends well because it was, well, trending a little bit on social media this week. We got it from Jordan Lucero. He's a friend of mine, but he sent in a question that I think is very relevant. He said, you can only pick one. You can either have an MVP season from Julio this year or an all-star season from Jared Kelnick. I'll let you go first, TJ. What are you picking? In what I forget, what are the terms of the question? Is it like, what's benefiting the club? What do I personally want to see? Take it however you want. MVP season from Julio or all-star year from Jared Kelnick. Whether to contra- you want contradict, to, to contradict you, I'll just I'm just gonna say Julio. I Julio's gonna win multiple MVPs in a Mariners uniform. And I really wouldn't put it past him to win an MVP at age twenty two. It he is that special. His defense and center could get better, his improved approach at the plate, he'll he won't have a horrendous first month of the season we're gonna get a full season of his power which his power didn't show up for a full month last year I'm curious to see how he controls the strike zone a full year into the major leagues how teams are going to respect him how he'll get pitched around a little bit more now that he's got more protection behind him with Teoscar Hernandez and won't have to I don't think he'll be leading off I think Colt Wong will be leading off but the and just how that all incorporates into Julio and I and I don't. I could not imagine a better summer day than All Star Week in Seattle with your MVP front runner starting and leading off for the American League and playing center field. That would be pretty cool, and I, I'm certainly not opposed. For this question, it was pretty much a no brainer answer for me, and it's not just because I have a very, very vested rooting interest in him. It's Jared Kelnick. Here's why: if Julio does exactly to the T, what he did last season. Six war, OPS plus of about 147, 28 home runs, good defense. Is there a single fan that complains about it? Is there a single fan where if Julio comes away from this season doing exactly what he did in 22, people are like, yeah, that's a disappointment. I think we could find one. (laughs) I think we could. Maybe one. Somebody out there will be upset somehow that he 
put up a six war season. Jared Kalnick puts up an all-star season. I mean, this team might win the AL West. Like he is such an X factor in this organization to the point where, I mean, nobody knows what they're going to get out of him. I mean, nobody. It's so tough to project a guy that has all the talent in the world and just hasn't put it together yet. But if he goes out and he makes an all-star game, puts up four to four and a half wins, hits 25 home runs, steals 20 bags, plays great defense in left field. That's a game changer. It's a total game changer. And if you even want to go about it by wins, let's say Julio wins the MVP, right? He goes from six wins to about eight wins and wins the MVP. Okay, that's a two-win improvement if Kelnick gets no better than he did in 2022. Julio puts up six wins again. Kelnick puts up a four to four and a half war. That's an additional somewhere between two to four, four and a half wins. I mean, that's a big difference. And you would be getting that production for a guy who is younger than 20 of the top 100 prospects in baseball. Like that, that, that's still how young this guy is. I, I don't know if anything would make me happier really. Cause if we think about it, it would, I think that it would, the, even though as we've doc, I've documented on this podcast before, before disagreeing with the Mariners, uh, approach and really results of the offseason, especially when it comes to the offense, that's the bat you are missing. When we say they're one bat short, if Kelnick does that, that is the bat you are missing. And you can say, okay, this is a playoff lineup to complement a playoff rotation and a playoff bullpen. Absolutely. And the way he's trending in spring training right now, again, we're going to have to see what he does in games where it counts. But man, if it's anything like he's put together the first couple weeks in spring training, this team's ceiling just went through the roof. Let's check back on this June 1st. How about that? I agree. Let's do that. That'll be a good measure. Okay, let's close out the show and transition to Speak Your Mind. Speak Your Mind, Spock. That would be unwise. What is necessary is never unwise. All right, Lyle, what is on your mind today? You're not going to be shocked because I've been talking about it like all week off the air with you a lot. So this is sports related this week. And it's funny the timing that we're doing this podcast because just this afternoon, this being Monday, Geno Smith just signed his extension with the Seahawks. Three years, $105 million. That's awesome for him. This contract's very front-loaded. He's getting $52 million bucks in his first year, which probably means if toward the end of this deal, the Seahawks want out of it, they can get out of it. I have fallen hard for all of the Anthony Richardson hype this past week. And honestly, last couple weeks. Before what he was doing, before he did what he did at the Combine, I started to fall hard for what this guy could be in the NFL. 6'4", 240, runs like a freight train going 100 miles an hour, has an absolute cannon of an arm, and the Seahawks never pick this high in the draft. Look, if they take one of the stud defenders, Carter, Anderson, Tyree Wilson, that's fine. I'm going to be totally okay with that. I have started to buy into the idea that Richardson could sit behind Geno for a couple of years, take over, and just be a superstar if it all pans out. Are you saying Richardson at five or Richardson at 20? Oh, he's not going to be there at 20 at this point. I mean, at this no, point, he has a chance so. to, at this point, he could go one. It's not yeah. for sure, but it's not impossible. If he falls to five, 
I'm intrigued. That's all I'm going to say. I'm kind of with you. I'm, I would not be, at this moment, I would not be angry if they picked Anthony Richardson. Mostly because this could be a bunch of faux. And it could be a bunch of the, the Seahawks pushing out some of their own personal PR to, to make it seem like they were interested in quarterbacks. But they love to say if Patrick Mahomes made it to them in the 2017 draft, they were picking him. They love to say that. Even with Russ, they were going to draft Mahomes and tell Russ so long with that. They said they love Josh Allen as well. Josh Allen is the comp for Anthony Richardson and what all teams want to to find when they're looking for a project quarterback in the draft. A guy who wasn't very good in college, but saying, hey, look how good of an athlete he is with proper coaching and proper development, some mechanical tweaks here and there. This guy can be a special one-of-a-kind talent. And I, I'm I'm with you. I mean... I'm to the point now where if they took Anthony Richardson at five, I don't think I would complain all that much. Gino just signed his extension, as you said. Most of that money is guaranteed within the first calendar year. You keep Gino through that, maybe a little bit into the second season. And then if Richardson's ready, then then you put him out there and you have your generational talent. This is not a Russell Wilson. This is not a an older quarterback who is great at throwing the deep ball and a, and a superb athlete, but also too short. I mean, Anthony Richardson is everything physically that you would want in a quarterback for the future height weight speed arm strength the accuracy is a tbd but that's the same thing with josh allen as well it is everything is there for anthony richardson and that's why he he's is it a hot take to say he's going to go above bryce young i mean i feel like bryce Young's stock is is falling with every picture that comes out that he's like five foot nine (laughs) (laughs) yeah it the thing about bryce young and one of our friends made this point a while back, and he's kind of right. Like, is there anything Bryce Young does better than Tua? And and Tua, you know, he had a good year this year before all the injuries. But that's a guy that was really good coming out of college. And he's obviously been up and down in the league. He did most things better than Bryce Young in college. So, yeah, Young stock is falling. Like the upside in this QB class, it's Richardson that has the highest ceiling by far. And Tua was taller, he was thicker, he was, uh, I mean, the arm strength is always a concern. Bryce probably has a better arm than Tua, but, I mean, you think about it, it's like, okay, it's like, why would, you can you can't compare him to Kyler Murray, because Kyler Murray is an unreal athlete. So, it, it and on, Kyler Murray is like, was like 210 coming out when he was 5'9", he was thick. He's, and mm-hmm. even Kyler Murray has had trouble staying, you know, healthy in, in the NFL. So that's a that's a good thing, Doug. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I'm uh, I'm also uh, I'm also buying into the hype. Now we can get to my speak your mind, not sports related. I want to give a shout out to Elon Musk who loved who claimed when he bought Twitter and cut all their staff that Twitter would never break and Twitter would keep rolling along and Twitter would would do all these things wonderfully great. And then I'm sitting down trying to eat breakfast this morning and Twitter was literally broken. So congratulations, <laughs> Elon. Your master plan has worked. So it didn't really break for me, at least the things I was trying to use today on Twitter. I mostly was just scrolling on my normal timeline. And for some reason, it was fine for me. But everybody else around me is talking about, like, what in the world is going on with Twitter? It's down. It's broken. It's not working. There's nothing digital that loaded. Nothing. Mm -hmm. No no pictures, no videos, no GIFs, nothing. Nothing was loading. And I'm like, huh, is this just me? Nope. And then I just click on the trending and the top thing is, is Twitter broken. So I was like, well, Elon, you finally did it. 
you 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 did it man you proved everybody wrong no i'm just kidding no you didn't because everyone said this was going to happen when you you know cut twitter staff by 90% no no shit that some some things are going to break and you're not going to be able to fix them nice job what what happened to his poll from like a month or two back where he said that he should, should resign? I sell yeah and, and then he got voted to resign and i don't know if, is he i mean he's still technically the head right the reason i didn't take yeah. that poll serious yeah I mean, the reason I didn't take that poll seriously is because even if he had resigned, quote unquote, he was just going to hand it off to one of his puppets. Like, you, you know, you know why? You know why he did that poll? It's the same reason why he bought Twitter's because he loves attention. That's why. That's 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 why he did that because he loves attention. <sighs> yeah. Well, the good news is it wasn't down for that long. So thank goodness it's back up and working. No, it wasn't. I'm glad Elon. Well, I won't. I wonder how much Elon would even make if he sold Twitter nowadays. You know what he's not getting? $44 billion. He's not getting that much for Twitter. I think he's uh, he's strewn most of the value off that. I don't think Twitter was worth that much uh, to begin with. I have one other uh, speak your mind. Leg days. Do we have to do leg day for summer, dog? Do we have to? Well, I mean, you might look a little disproportionate if you don't. I'm just I'm just getting a little sick of it. I'm just I'm just sick and tired of feeling just like dead after after every leg like the other like upper body and like core stuff and cardio i feel fine but like legs i'm like i get to the point where i'm just lifting so heavy it like my i'm feeling a little bit lightheaded especially on a monday too i mean it it just like it's just so bad you're just sitting there in your car like oh my god it's monday and i'm about to go just go suffer i i have two responses to that one was that a little subtle flex of oh i'm just lifting all this weight (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean i lift the most weight in my legs so what can i say that's the only one i really like push well that's fair number two i forget do you go monday through friday uh depends i try with high school basketball it's a little hard to get there more than three times a week because i don't usually go on the weekends um because well, i have I- other things to do on the weekend but i think now that high school basketball's ended i can probably make it about four days a week I was going to say, you could always do the leg stuff at the end of the week. Then you have the weekend when you're resting and it's not as big a deal. So when I went five days a week, I had it mapped out perfectly. I'd always do legs on Wednesdays. But then once basketball came into the schedule, it kind of pushed everything back. I was like, well, I have to keep doing something. But it, you know, has, it doesn't, uh, it's not, it's not proportionate to the amount of time I go to the gym. So it kind of sometimes bleeds over to a Monday. Okay, well, that's fair. Well, I would tell you to just try and power through it, just like everybody else tries to do. That's a real, real inspiration. Thank, thanks. Yeah, it's really helpful. I mean, th- everybody always said if I wasn't going to be a sports broadcaster, I would have been a motivational speaker. So there's my mm. motivational speech for you. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Okay, I think that'll just about wrap up this week's edition of the Marine Layer Podcast. You guys know the drill. You want to listen to the full form podcast, follow us or listen on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and Google. The video podcast, full video podcast is on YouTube. Go check that out as well. On social media, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Tell your friends about the podcast. It's really been a blast so far. We're enjoying doing it. So we appreciate all you guys listening. For TJ Matthewson, this has been Lyle Goldstein. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.